0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of Don't Even Get Me Started, or Degums for short, a Libtastic podcast where I let you guys determine the topic of each episode through random submissions. Um, And if you'd like to submit a topic, there is a Google form linked pretty much everywhere. (laughs) So let's get started. I have put everyone's topics into these blue envelopes because I did not have a bowl big enough to fit everything. So I'm just going to shuffle these around and pick them at random and see what our first topic is going to be. <sighs> this one is from Marvelous Alex on TikTok. Um, and they ask, what is your favorite Marvel movie and favorite Marvel show? The only reason why I cite this comment is because literally every single time I live stream on TikTok or I let people ask me questions over Instagram. This is like always the number one question, which I understand as a Marvel creator, people want to know. I've said it before and I'll say it a million times. I have such a hard time picking a favorite. Like as a Marvel fan, it is incredibly difficult. Every time I think I have an answer I'm like, oh, this is definitely my favorite movie. Someone's like, but what about this one? And then I have to start all over again. And it's the same thing with the shows. There hasn't really been a Marvel project, I think, that I don't dislike. Some of my favorite shows are WandaVision and Moon Knight. I think the production quality on both of those shows is some of the best Marvel has done with their short series. I also loved... Loved the attention to detail in both of them. One with the amazing Sephardic Jewish representation in Moon Knight, which is rarely ever seen on television in general. And as a Sephardic Jew myself, I really appreciated the like subtle but included representation in that show. Also, the characters are amazing in Moon Knight. The comic books were some of my favorite comic books. So it was really great to finally see a more obscure character get the limelight, the way that he did. And Oscar Isaac's performance is, of course, incredible. And then in WandaVision, I really loved all the subtle but very accurate nods to all the famous sitcoms on the silver screen throughout the decade, as well as just the overall writing and the score. Oh, the score was amazing. And it really emotionally hit me. I think with WandaVision, it's hard to judge because it was the first show slash movie that we'd gotten from Marvel after the pandemic started because we had Far From Home after Endgame came out. And then the pandemic happened and nothing was released that year because no one could go in the theaters. There was nothing to do. So at the beginning of 2021, when they released WandaVision, everybody was waiting for like an ounce of new content. And WandaVision was so like mysterious and no one really knew what was going on. And with each episode as they came out, I remember doing live streams of me reacting to it. Everyone had had a million questions and half of them would be answered in each episode, but then there'd be a million more for the next one. So I thought the writing was brilliant on that one. As far as movies, it is so, I mean, there are over 25 of them now. (laughs) So it's so hard to pick just one. I think Guardians of the Galaxy, if Guardians of the Galaxy 3 looks as amazing as it does, is going to be one of the best franchises that marvel has produced i think captain america is one of the best solo franchises like for a single superhero i mean all the avengers movies are of course amazing and i love age of ultron because it's one of the only movies where we get to see like the avengers as the f- kind of family unit that we remember from the comic books they kind of ruin that quickly and i blame joss whedon for a lot of things and that's one of them but i love the like Team cohesion in that one movie, very, very much. And then, of course, Infinity War and Endgame are so hard to be like, yeah, these are obviously superior to a lot of their movies because their whole point is that they're supposed to be these big, grand movies and events. Like, it's hard to compare them to the others and like the emotional toll that it took to watch them. So it's really hard for me to pick a favorite. I also think some movies like transcend the superhero genre. Like, I think both Black Panther and Wakanda Forever have just like far exceeded movie expectations in general. Same thing with no way home. I was really impressed that they managed to live up to the hype that was building for this film. I was really worried that it was going to get overhyped and people were going to be disappointed, but it matched that energy incredibly well. And I loved that they took Spider-Man's origin story and reverse it over three movies. We started at the end for Spider-Man in Homecoming and we got all the way back to the beginning by the third film. And I loved that. So that's my very long-winded answer to, I really can't choose because I love all of them so very much. Some for nostalgic reasons, some because they're just fantastic films. Like it's hard to pick a favorite out of a roster of amazing movies. Same thing with TV shows. Like there hasn't been a TV show I haven't liked. So there's your answer to that one. Now let's see. Oh my gosh. What next one we have. I'm going to like shuffle these around a little bit like a deck of cards, even though they're envelopes. All right, from Alfred, basically, a friend of mine on TikTok, they said, Marvel What If Scenarios Like the Show. I'm assuming they meant like some of my own ideas for Marvel What If episodes. There's a couple of episodes I'd like to see because a lot of the What If storylines are based off of comic books. So like, I'd really love to see Marvel 1872, which is a comic book run where they basically took the Avengers and just threw them in the southwest of the United States after the American Civil War. So you have like Sheriff Rogers and his deputy Barnes and the local blacksmith is Tony Stark and the guy who runs the Apothecary is Bruce Banner and the storyline is great it also has one of the very few um Native American superheroes and representation that eventually gets added to the main canon his name is Red Wolf so I really love that story a lot and I wish we had a what if episode about that anything from the Ultimates should never be on screen ever just gonna say that right now (laughs) anything from the Ultimates timeline should never appear in animation on screen ever. It's demented and crazy. I love that they included zombies because that comic book storyline is great. I mean, there's so many what if possibilities. I'm trying to think if there's any that I would write all on my own. Like if I was a comic book author and they told me like, Take a character, do whatever you want with it. I don't know. Again, the possibilities are kind of endless. i trying to think if I can like think of a good one for this topic. What if, ooh, this is a great one that I've seen a couple of fanfics and I've liked them. But what if Bucky and Steve switched places? So what if their characters are exactly the same? Their personalities are exactly the same. But Bucky becomes Captain America and Steve becomes the Winter Soldier. I would love to see that episode. And I think it happens in comic books. I feel like I've heard of a run of it. I just haven't read them. But I would love to see that because, again, their personalities are so different that their reaction to becoming the Winter Soldier, as well as taking on the mantle of Captain America, I think would create vastly different outcomes. So that would be really cool. Crimson Wire 55 on TikTok says, I'd love to hear your general thoughts and rankings of all phase four now that it's over and we have a better idea of its theme. That is definitely a tall order. Okay, so let's talk about this one. Phase four, I know, is a little bit controversial because some people love it. Some people very viscerally hate it, (laughs) which is always interesting. And I think we've reached that point. This great creator on TikTok, Straw Hat Goofy, once made a video that was like fandoms either you know, kind of die a hero or live long enough to see themselves become the villain. Like either the fandom dies at a high point in the franchise or it lives long enough that they start to become the franchise's own worst critic, like with Star Wars and other similar fandoms. So with phase four, I think we're starting to see that shift. The MCU is now about 15 years old. So people have grown 15 years, whatever they found entertaining when they were 10, they're now 25. So even though Marvel hasn't really changed their sense of the things that they enjoy or what they find cheesy or ridiculous or too childish, whatever, is different now right and Marvel is trying to appeal to a new audience because they know some of their audience is starting to age out of this franchise and they're trying to bring in new audiences by using the same material however I personally am I think still six years old mentally so I have been really enjoying it I think one there's so many projects in phase four Marvel during the pandemic specifically said like we want new content for you guys every week so you don't go stir crazy during the pandemic which at the time I appreciated but now it's become like an overwhelming mass of media which is part of the reason why we're starting to see delays and we're starting to see them slow down in introducing new projects and TV shows per year, which I think is good. WandaVision really knocked it out of the park. I think it was an excellent start to the new phase. Technically, Far From Home is part of phase four, but it's always hard to lump that in with the others because again, there was a whole year and a half gap in between that. So WandaVision to me was the launch of phase four. And I thought that was a really fantastic project. And Falcon and Winter Soldier as the follow up, I thought was also a really smart move. One, because it really shifted the tone of what people expected from Marvel itself, we went from this, like, really fantastical, magic, crazy, mind-bending series with, like, all these amazing effects, all these, like, crazy storylines and ideas and, you know, magic in general to, like, what's happening on the streets after the snaps. So we went from, like, total delusion, right, to a slap in the face of reality, which I thought was kind of smart. Falcon and the Winter Soldier is one of my favorites because it makes me uncomfortable to watch because it specifically talks about racism in the United States and how people of color are treated in the United States, especially when they start to become Symbols of, you know, important characters. And we see that a lot in real life, like with Bud Light and Dylan Mulvaney. We see that with them starting to change some of the characters into people of color like Ariel. And even the casting for Moana and the Lilo and Stitch live action are starting to cause problems because of representation. And I think what was great about Falcon and Winter Soldier is that they shifted that representation to something that has... Not not that it has more real life effect, but it's it's Captain America. You know, in a world where Captain America exists and represents, you know, the United States, who wears the cowl is really important to everyone. And I think not only making Sam Captain America was a smart choice by Steve, I don't think Bucky was ready to hold the shield. At all whatsoever, But the fact that Steve wouldn't consider the repercussions of Sam taking on the mantle like that is an important one. Because no matter how much I think white people in the United States try to understand and educate themselves, it's still not an inherent thought process. Like Steve didn't sit down and think, well, what would be the repercussions because he's black? Because... Thankfully, Steve doesn't think that way. He doesn't care that Sam is Black, but it's because he forgets that other people do care. So I loved that project. And that one's really high up there. It's supposed to be uncomfortable to watch. And I love that. Loki, I really, really loved. I love the premise. I love the score. I love the callbacks to the comic books. The only thing that bothered me was Loki and Sylvie, specifically because they spent like a year and a half advertising that they finally had a queer, like confirmed queer character. Like Loki was going to talk about being bisexual on camera and confirm. That he's by, and he was gonna be the headliner, like it was gonna be our first queer headliner character. And they spent the entire show not only building this great chemistry with Owen Wilson, but then kind of creating this self-cessed heteronormative relationship with Sylvie. And while I do think part of it was necessary for Loki to be betrayed by himself and start to realize what it was like being on the other side of Loki's betrayals, it still kind of read me the wrong way that they were like, Oh, we're celebrating that we have this queer character and you're gonna see that representation. And then to like the craziest extent of keeping his relationships heteronormative, they made him fall in love with himself. And I get that Loki is a narcissist, but it still irks me. That's like the only problem I have with it though. Unleashing Kang and unleashing the multiverse, it was a great starting point to like the overall theme of phase four, as well as the multiverse saga. After that, I'm trying to think what movies came out. Black Widow is I think one of my favorite movies ever. And that Is also unfortunately controversial because it's a movie about women written and produced by women about the female experience that people tend to ignore. I think there's a lot of charged conversations about sexual assault and human trafficking and systemic sexism and how it affects women and loss of bodily autonomy. Like all of the all the topics of feminine issues were included in this movie and with a real life threat like the villain in Black Widow. He exists in real life. Human traffickers and people who use children as soldiers and people who, you know, use people in general for their own agenda, those are real. They exist. And it's terrifying. It's a terrifying thought. I never connected to Natasha more than in this movie. And it's because a lot of the times Natasha's character has been written by men in films. So she's been over-sexualized. Her character doesn't really match the feminine experience because men don't understand that perspective. So I really connected with Natasha in that movie. I thought it was perfect. Any CGI complaints is just nitpicking. In my personal opinion the story is still great finding found family using their own innate feminism not only to break themselves out but to uplift other women who are victims and banding together to be stronger than they were before excellent message i'm obsessed with it also the cat suits were excellent <laughs> and then we had shang chi which was a phenomenal film um i'm obviously not chinese myself but i am an ancient history former major and I took two semesters of Chinese history and the attention to detail and representing underrepresented cultures like Chinese culture and later with Moon Knight and with African culture as well as Mesoamerican culture with the Wakanda Forever movies, Marvel has really taken its time to pay close attention to the details to make it as authentic and as appreciative as possible, which I absolutely love. Aquafina is hilarious. And obviously Simulia was like the perfect cast. So that movie is high up there. And then No Way Home again. I've talked about my thoughts on this before. It was an excellent, like, reverse Spider-Man origin story, which I loved. And bringing back the other actors for the movie was, like, one of the greatest things ever. I was obsessed with it. The Hawkeye TV show, also excellent. We got to see a little bit of the Hawkeye that I have missed from the MCU, which is, like... Bedsty, like Lucky the Pizza Dog, like Strike Team Delta, Hawkeye. I missed him, and it was also great to finally mourn Natasha's death. We had a lot of people mourning the loss of Tony Stark and even Steve Rogers, but like no one had acknowledged Natasha yet, and I was so excited to get like a whole show specifically about mourning the loss of Natasha and honoring her sacrifice for the universe. And then Moon Knight again was amazing. Uh, Multiverse of Madness I was obsessed with because it, it was its first venture into like different versions of storytelling. Marvel has really started to figure out that people are getting sick and tired of like the same superhero movie over and over and over again and i think what was really great about multiverse of madness was that it was supposed to be a horror film and it was like there are so many callbacks to the horror genre in general from the haunted mansion music to the jump scares to the like Terrifying, terrifying, and really gory death scenes. You know the breaks and reality and necromancy and like all these different like kind of dark magics. It all really read into these like this big horror genre. And I think Marvel is starting to shift to like making a horror movie that happens to have superheroes in it. Or She-Hulk is another great example. They made a sitcom about a lawyer who happens to have superpowers. And I love that because I do think it's new and exciting and different. But it still meshes with the genre well enough that it doesn't feel like a complete and total. Sh- from superheroes in general. So I loved that movie. I loved Wanda's story. I think the people who don't understand why she became a villain, like just don't understand what it's like to be a woman in that situation. I mean, she's lost literally everything and now including her own family. Granted, do I condone her? Absolutely Absolutely not. Like, I she definitely killed people. Like, she became a villain. It was hard to support her, but it was easy to understand why she went there, especially with something like the Dark Hole corrupting her. Like, I loved it. As well as the introduction of America Chavez, which is another great comic book character that I'm excited for and I think is leading up to Young Avengers eventually, so all exciting things as well as clea in that end credit scene which was also amazing eternals i forgot eternals i loved it because the representation was great it was normalized i as someone with adhd was able to maintain my focus the entire time so i loved that film um i loved the actors that they chose for it i loved the storyline in general it was really easy to retcon the fact that the eternals have been there the whole time but haven't interfered so i thought it was a really smart movie i love that they focused on a female lead when there was an ensemble of other men there and again the representation was so normalized like that's how it should be and i was obsessed with it. The special effects, the costumes, cinematography, everything. I loved every second of it. Let's see. She-Hulk I kind of touched on. I loved She-Hulk. I think it's one of the most comic book accurate representations of the characters, which was great. Miss Marvel was hilarious. She is the perfect cast for that character. She is me and I am her. Like if I were in her world, I too would be fangirling over my heroes. It's a coming of age story. And I think I've now reset age where I don't relate to those as much anymore because I am now sort of, of age. But I loved the show. I loved that it was ridiculous and silly and goofy after we had a lot of really serious shows. What If is like an animation triumph. I loved the animation style. I loved the callbacks to the comic books. And I loved the message about being part of the audience in watching superhero stories and reading comic books. To be the watcher is like, kind of incredible so to reference that at the end and like kind of include us in that conversation like really had me tearing up and crying and Chadwick Boseman's voice acting role was also like hard to listen to because I missed him let's see what else came out and face I'm like trying to go through the list but there was so much that came out it feels like it's so hard to cover it all the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special was hilarious and everything I would ever want out of the Christmas special I also loved that they like finally kind of stated it was implied before but stated that Peter and Mantis are siblings I think they were both kind of searching for family. And it's great that they found it in each other. And whoever convinced Kevin Bacon to do that was amazing. The only one that I haven't seen from phase four yet is Werewolf by Night, which I know I really want to see it. I just keep getting distracted with other projects or other things like it is on my list to watch and I will eventually get there, but I've only heard amazing things about it. So I'm excited, man. Some of the other really great projects again, She-Hulk. I loved, I love that they called out toxic fans, the writer of the show and People in my life make fun of me because I bring it up a lot. The writer of the show, she said in an interview once when they wrote it, it was like two or three years before the show came out. She's like, it's unfortunately predictable how toxic fanboys are going to react because the response, the misogynistic and sexist response is always the same. Every single time. Always. <laughs> um, Wakan Forever made me cry several times. <laughs> I loved it. I loved the story. I loved that they kind of revamped Namor and brought in another cultural perspective. And again, as an ancient history nerd, the way that they kind of replicated Technochilan in Telecon was just incredible even down to the agriculture was like perfect and i'm obsessed with it it was a beautiful movie and the score is like i think one of my favorites of all time and then lastly we of course have Quantumania. and Quantumania, i think is my favorite mostly because it was just so so freaking funny but it balanced being funny and being serious like oh love and thunder was the other one i forgot love and thunder i personally loved because i love that thor found a purpose in fatherhood more than anything else than in being a warrior or That in like being in love, he found a purpose in being a dad, which I think is such a strong, powerful message. But I do agree with some people that they got a little bit too ridiculous. I do love the theory though, that because Korg is telling the story, that's why it seems a little bit more ridiculous. But anyway, I think Ant-Man though like, did a really good job of walking that razor's edge of, like, it being kind of ridiculous because they're they're exploring the quantum realm. It's supposed to be nonsensible. It's supposed to be non-logical. It's supposed to be hard to predict and hard to control and just completely chaotic, and I think the writing exemplified that really well, as well as just, like, anyone's reaction to being completely just, like, mind-boggling, like, Just uncomprehending the entire time. On top of that, though, including the really high stakes of like Kang the Conqueror getting out of the quantum realm and bringing all the other Kangs back into the multiverse to restart this war. Because one of the few things that was holding them back was that Kang the Conqueror was in the quantum realm. So having stakes that high and like again launching everything into phase five, where we're already starting to see with all these new projects like Guardians of the Galaxy 3, that Kang is going to start causing problems across the multiverse that we're going to have to deal with and that we're going to be fighting for a long time. So that wasn't really a ranking. I just realized I kind of just told my general thoughts, but it is hard for me to rank them because some of them are different genres. Some of them have completely different tones. Some of them serve completely different purposes. Some of the project's purpose was to kind of mourn the Infinity Saga and move on. And some of the rest was to set up the multiverse saga. And because of that, it's hard to, it's hard for me to form a clear ranking because they all serve completely different purposes from each other. Anyways, I think we have time for like one more. (laughs) Let me pull out this last one all right this one is from owen the fire chicken on tiktok and they said wanda versus strange being a constant because people don't acknowledge Wanda's strength i'm assuming they mean the debate between who's stronger dr strange versus wanda and i'm just gonna say right now wanda is the strongest it's not even really a contest and the reason why is because one even though strange was destined to be sorcerer supreme and he did lose being sorcerer supreme to a technicality and not based on his skill as well as the time stone which gives him a lot of the power to be the sorcerer supreme and you know, be a good one. With Wanda, she is the Scarlet Witch. And she was a witch when she was born, and she was always destined to be that. But with the Infinity Stones amplifying her power and, you know the Scarlet Witch kind of embodying her as a person, she was always destined to take over the multiverse. Her whole purpose was to either destroy it or control it. Like across the multiverse with the existence of the Darkhold in so many different universes, it's sole purpose as one of the most powerful like dark magic objects was to just aid Wanda in destroying all of reality and existence. And that kind of power You know, untapped is not only unlimited, but it's undefeatable. There is no other being in existence that will reach that same level of like all powerful being. Like, even if you get to Erishem in Eternals, like his reign is over only one universe. Like, there's an Erishem in every multiverse, and Wanda is destined to destroy all of them or at least control all of them. Same thing with Dormammu, same thing with all these other big multiversal beings. None of them were destined to be the sole controller of. All of reality. <laughs> and because of that, you really can't compare Wanda's unlimited potential. The only problem is a couple things. One, there, Wanda does have a moral standard when she isn't being corrupted by dark magic itself. Like the minute, even with the dark hold still influencing her, she eventually comes to the conclusion that the only way to stop herself is by destroying the dark hold and potentially sacrificing herself. I don't know if she's quite dead yet. They did leave room for ambiguity, but by destroying the thing that gives her that ultimate power in the first place, because there's no other way to stop her. It is impossible. She is the only one responsible for stopping Wanda, which is crazy. The other reason is because it's still really unstable. At no point in her life, no matter how hard Wanda tries, she is not in control of her own powers. To be in control of her own powers would mean that she could unilaterally do whatever she wants. But even when she's at her most powerful, she is under the influence of somebody else. Like she is still not in control. The Wanda that we know is like squirreled away in a box in her head. So it is really, It's kind of the trade-off. It's what keeps her from being so overpowered that she can just take over the universe at any time is that there's another person in there that's like, this is wrong. You shouldn't just destroy the multiverse. It's not right. Even though she's been hurt and we can understand why she feels this rage, it's still not okay. The weakness is always that Wanda doesn't want to use her powers for bad. If she didn't have that moral compass, which there are times in the comic books when she does not, she could literally destroy all of reality and no other character has that power. Not Doctor Strange, not you know, Dormammu, not anyone else. Only Wanda across the multiverse has access to that kind of unlimited potential. So she is not only the strongest Avenger, but the strongest magic user and probably one of the strongest beings in the multiverse. I mean, she literally once just destroyed, (laughs) she destroyed an Infinity Stone because she can. Like if, If Thanos hadn't used the Time Stone to go back and bring the Soul Stone back together, she destroys the Soul Stone. So she can crush Infinity Stones, which are the very building blocks of reality. She can manipulate the entire multiverse. She is the most powerful being in Marvel. That's just hands down true. I'm checking my time, and I think I actually might have time for one more. Let's see. One more topic, and then we'll go from tigergirl173181 on TikTok. Oh, I was hoping I get this one. Courtesy of a dispute between my coworker and I, Thanos and his reasoning behind the snap. Their former coworker says that Thanos was right and they argue that Thanos was wrong. Here's the reason why I wanted this one. Because when I wrote this out to put on a card, I have been thinking about this answer for quite some time. Here's the reason why Thanos is wrong. His logic? is correct. His observation that there is a finite amount of resources, and because of that, there isn't enough to sustain civilization forever, that is accurate. That is correct. Eventually, everything is going to come to an end. Civilizations will fall, species will go extinct. It is the circle of existence and life, right? Even in the Eternals, they talk about how planets that become too intelligent eventually need to be destroyed so that they can use that matter to create new planets with new civilizations and new people with new knowledge, right? To continue to grow and continue to make new forms of life. The problem with Thanos is that just like everybody else, he has a really hard time accepting death. Now the Mad Titan from the comic books loves death. He's a completely different character, but the Thanos in the multiverse has such a hard time accepting that everything comes to a natural end, most likely because of lack of resources, starvation, like a sad ending instead of like the happy ending that everybody's hoping for. He is attempting to do what nature already has plans for unnaturally. Think of Thanos as a metaphor for global warming. Many scientists agree that the earth was already warming up because we are still defrosting from the last ice age, which has taken millions, millions of years, right? The problem is with humans and our pollution and all of our emissions, we are speeding up that process so fast that nature itself cannot properly recover or properly evolve along with the warming temperatures. So what that's creating is an irreversible damage to the natural order of life in the ecosystem that cannot be repaired cannot come back. Thanos is attempting to do the same by going around and mass murdering half of an entire species, right? Which by the way, if he's already halved like a bunch of species, wouldn't the snap get rid of the other half that survived? So he actually cut them down to a quarter, which still not great. The problem is he's doing it unnaturally to the point where it is creating an imbalance in the universe an imbalance in nature and again creating this trauma for all of these civilizations who have now lost half of all their loved ones everyone is in tatters everybody had such a hard time recovering from that because half of all existence is gone. And that, even the directors are like, that goes down to plants, that goes down to single cell organisms. Like it'd be harder to produce oxygen on earth and not to mention the imbalance it would cause in ecosystems all across the multiverse. He is attempting to control what nature already has its own system for eradicating what it needs to in order for life to continue to thrive the way it does. That's what makes him wrong. And again, for all the people that are like, well, why can't he just create more resources with the infinity stones? Well. The problem with comic book science is we're taking things that don't exist and we're trying to mesh them with the laws of science that do exist. So if you're talking about, say, matter and resources, for instance, if we want to continue to accept that you cannot create or destroy matter itself, the universe just repurposes it, then it, I can assume the Infinity Stone's power and strength isn't to just suddenly create new matter. They have to pull matter from somewhere else in order to create something new. So again, if he does destroy half of all life, half of all existence. That matter has to go somewhere, but it's not going to rebuilding what's left behind. It's not going to repairing any of the damage that is irreversible, unless of course we use time and the infinity stones to restore it all back because it's not the natural progression of creation and destruction to determine who gets to live, who gets to die and when. And when you try to control that, it creates it creates chaos and it creates panic and it creates death and it creates unnecessary pain. It creates unnecessary death. So that's why Thanos is wrong, even if his logic is correct. Anyways, that's all we have time for today. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. If you would like to hear one of your own submissions in one of my future episodes of this podcast, please submit them in the Google form linked on all of my social media accounts. If you'd like to listen to more episodes of this podcast, you can find it literally anywhere. Anywhere you can find a podcast, you will find this podcast. But there's also links in the description on where to find us. If you'd like to listen to this podcast a couple of days in advance, you can go over to my Patreon and check them out there. They get to listen to the podcast a day or two early. Also, follow me anywhere for any further updates on this podcast or submissions. Love you all 3000. May the force be with you and thank you for listening. Bye.